1: of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes <laughs> right it's flagrant howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tykey he
0: is alive he is <laughs> he's back from Vegas this morning
1: I gotta stop doing this I he sounds like he's back from Vegas this morning too Yeah, you can hear it, it just, I was talking to my dad this morning he's like you sound terrible luckily you're not recording today right and I was like nope Phil's going to – I'm on, an, on in an hour. So Vegas never disappoints. I was there for a University of North Dakota hockey game. They played the Arizona State Sun Devils at T-Mobile. So it was a fun environment. It was like 99% UND fans. Um, but then I got to watch football yesterday. I tweeted this out, but I was – I didn't see anyone I knew, thank God, but I was so embarrassing. I was starting Skull chance, I was 16 mimosas <laughs> deep. We had a table in the sports book, and also – I always say this about Timberwolves fans because we've been through so much, but Vikings fans were littered all over the sportsbook. It was incredible. Just an awesome fan base, tons of purple, uh, and the game was, as you talked about, multiple times throughout the day, but it was obviously kind of up and down. But when they started to pull away, just, again, just loud skull chants all over the place, it was like a dream come true. The no Vikings better way to end a, the month.
0: Yeah, they have a sneaky, huge fan base. That's what we were saying, yeah. The Cowboys are obviously America's team, branding going back 50 years, even though they haven't done anything meaningful in like three <laughs> decades. Uh, I think the, the the Steelers, for some reason, travel well, but Vikings yep. fans represent, man. Like even it's just so like cool. Purple Daily the last few years, I'm repping the hat today. The amount of people that are just Vikings fans in Germany or in New Mexico or just random places that that they don't even have any ties to Minnesota whatsoever, so...
1: Yeah, yeah, I ordered my purple daily sweatshirt. I saw you guys drop that. I can't wait to wear that. But yeah, nice just thing. tons of purple all over the place. Um, So it was a good day. Good day for the Vikings. Um, not a good day for the Timberwolves, as we'll get into. But yeah. overall, a successful weekend. I hope I never go back to Vegas.
0: <laughs> and, and then in a month, you're going to be like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, I'm go I'll be back now. in three weeks. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we'll get into favorite, least favorite things about the Timberwolves on this uh, early week recording of Flagrant House. Your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, by the way. Uh, We'll get into some flagrant or no, but let's just start with, in general, they have finished up the the quote-unquote easy portion of their schedule, right? I mean, this was the thing that people were circling weeks in advance. Oh my gosh, look at how easy the first seven games are for the Timberwolves on paper. Not a total train wreck, but they only finish four and three over those seven games, and now the schedule starts to pick up. Uh, what are your, your just general thoughts on the 4-3 and three
1: record after the first seven, quote-unquote, easy games? Well, I a little credit to us. We talked about this, I think, at the end of September, uh, or definitely sometime in September when we were, didn't have anything else to talk about and we kind of dissected the schedule. Um, but I thought about this yesterday, too, I was, as I was, like, hammering, you know, minus 400 money lines and just trying to find, like, easy money. There is no such thing as, like, easy games or easy money um and we thought that this would be an easy schedule because yes it was a lot of thunder spurs type games early on but I think it was you that actually said maybe that's like not the best thing to do to start the season it might make you feel good because you're trying to figure out the clunkiness on the court you don't have a lot of preseason time obviously Carl and Rudy but this is also the time when those teams are trying the hardest right like the Jazz think they're going to make the finals um like the Thunder are trying the Spurs I don't think they're going to be in third in the West come April, but they might be third in the West come Thanksgiving. Like they Mm. just – a lot of these teams that are – this is probably the best version you're going to get of them. So it does make that easy schedule a little um, more digestible. But in the same vein, it's like, yeah, but they just left a lot of meat on the bone. We're going to – I have some things, some stats here too, but just like they just are bad at math. They don't really do any of the things that make modern-day basketball good. They don't really – take a lot of threes they don't hit a lot of threes they don't get to the foul line they don't hit their free throws just the basic easy stuff um and that's kind of concerning because it's not like they went up against a gauntlet of defenders it was a lot of young guys for the spurs a lot of young guys for the thunder so i'm a little concerned but again four and three i mean they started last year four and nine if this experiment works they're like they're going to figure out at some point and it doesn't matter who they play Mm -hmm. but i mean again that that utah jazz team is beating Really good teams. The Thunder yeah. beat the Clippers back-to-back games. And then that Spurs team is really good. I mean, the Lakers, who the Wolves beat on Friday, the Lakers beat the Nuggets last night. So everyone's struggling, but I'm not too worried. I would be more worried come a couple weeks from now when we have more data and more sample size. But we were wrong. We were wrong to think that this schedule was easy because you're playing teams that are actually trying. They're not going to tank in October.
0: Yes. Well, we and a lot of people were wrong about the Jazz, The j- just dismissing yep. the Jazz yep. out of hand. We talked mm-hmm. about that. Uh, and the Spurs, you know, it's a well-coached team. They yep. they move the ball around. It's just a bunch of scrappy dudes. And it's been like this even when they had superstar players. They always had just a team that wouldn't take many nights off. You could argue they might have taken a night off when Cat dropped sixty on them last year. <laughs> Other than that, they don't generally take a lot of nights off. So I don't. There, there's a lot of things to get into here about the four and three start. To me, and, and this is not meant to be a cop out or cover up for the things that need to be improved, but. Is it fair to say that the main reason why they lost last night and the main reason why they don't have a better record, maybe like a 5-2 and two or even a 6-1 and one record, is that they've been one of the worst long-distance shooting teams in the NBA so far? I mean, they had one of the worst shooting
1: performances from three in their franchise's history last night. And that's, I think right now, I wrote this down there, bottom half of the league in field goal percentage, three points attempted, three-point percentage, free throws attempted, free throw percentage, and then obviously that all kind of just sums up into being bottom half in offensive rating. So they're yeah, just not being able to shoot is weird because, yes, they lost Malik Beasley, who was a volume three-point shooter and really good at his job. But like, if you go look at Pat Bev this season, he's not lighting it up from three. He was shooting like 20% from three coming into that Lakers game. Obviously, Vando wasn't spacing the floor. So you didn't really lose guys that were – there were flamethrowers, and yet you just can't really make anything. So that that's probably the number one concerning thing right now is that this team's not going to do anything if they can't shoot threes. But the, but that's the thing, like I, they will. I
0: mean, you right, look right, at some, right, right, You look at some of the math here. So again, this is not to just cover up for other things that that are more process related that that need to be fixed. There are things that don't have anything to do with shooting that definitely are still being felt out here, but. Mm-hmm. Do you think let's just play a little game of Do you think this is the sh- the shooting percentage this player will have <laughs> at the end of the year? Do you think Jalen Noel is going to shoot twenty six percent from three at the end of the year?
1: No, and oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not going to be forty, but it's also going to be well above thirty. D'Angelo Russell is he going to shoot twenty seven percent from three? God, I hope not.
0: I, mean, I don't no, think he, 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 I don't
1: think he's shooting forty two percent, but he ain't shooting twenty seven percent again. If, if the, I think as you keep going, but as you're making this point, it's just if these guys just get. Slightly north of thirty percent, some of these issues become non issues anymore. Carl Anthony Towns—he's only shooting thirty-four percent from three to start the season.
0: He's like a forty percent career three-point shooter,
1: and that's the one that probably will see the biggest positive regression. Right? Like he—he—he's mm-hmm. he, he's done it long enough now. He's given himself the nickname as the best shooting big. Like that should trickle up to forty percent, hopefully, as he starts to figure out his strength and get his body back. Bryn Forbes is shooting twelve percent from three point range so far this year. He's the best three point shooter on the team, next to Carl Anthony Towns. And in the, it got it got so desperate last night in that historically bad shooting game that Finch like was closing with Bryn Forbes like b- I, way too much Bryn Forbes for me, but yeah, I, I mean, mean I, that's how that's desperate all they the were. Bryn Forbes into my veins. I, I need. <laughs> I need, I need
0: I need more Cowbell. I need more Bryn Forbes. But the that, that... only guy that's outperforming right now is Torian Prince. So he's shooting 57% from three, but he's only <laughs> attempting three per game. So it's not like if he regresses, it's not going to shipwreck. There's a lot more positive regression from the shooting yep. side of things. Now, could we nitpick this and say, okay, are they are they moving the ball around and getting quality open threes at a rate that's needed? You know, Does the, does the ball start to stall out too often in these games? And the answer is probably yes. They need to do a better job of figuring out ball movement. But sometimes we overreact to you know like seven game sample sizes in basketball and think, oh my God, there's twenty different problems. Well, would there be twenty different problems if they were shooting? If Cat was shooting forty percent, if D'Lo was shooting thirty five percent, if Jalen Noel was shooting thirty seven percent from three, they'd probably be five and two or six and one, and we would say, oh, there's some things to work out. But yeah, this is uh, this is pretty good.
1: Yeah, and I mean their losses. Is- Last night obviously was kind of bad, and now you've dropped two of three to the Spurs. But that we'll go back now and say that Jazz loss wasn't really a bad loss. You could nitpick execution and things, but it's a good team. The Jazz are a good team. The Spurs are maybe not on the Jazz level, but yeah, I I think my whole thing seven games into this, and I know this is going to be repetitive, but we just you got to give it twenty games. I mean, I was like again, I was in Vegas this weekend throwing a little money down on other games. It's like the Hornets beat the Warriors. And then the Warriors followed it up and lost to the Pistons. Like a lot of these teams are just really trying to figure it out. It's Halloween today. Like no one should be allowed to worry about their favorite team in the NBA until like Christmas. So I think there are still issues, by the way, there are things that we can get into that this team is concerning about. But I don't think shooting is one of them. I just think they just are in a really cold spell and it'll warm up. And even like you said, if Prince comes down with those other guys, just go above 30%. It's going to, it's going to fix itself, but you can't win games. If you can't hit threes. So, well, let's get into
0: uh, favorite, least favorite things about the Timberwolves here as we, uh, this will be an early week benchmark on the show. And then you can also submit for the, for the second episode we do during the week. You can submit uh, comments via the score North app or the score North YouTube channel, and we will read your comments and, uh, and react Usually on Thursdays is the second episode we do. So let's start with your favorite thing about the Timberwolves here. I know it seems like we're starting with some glass half full here. That's how I feel, though. I just feel like, okay, I'm not going to overreact here. There's some good things, so I'll throw it to you. Uh, Give me one of your favorite things about the Timberwolves so far, even though they haven't
1: started as hot record-wise as people thought. I mean, in general, just beating the Lakers was fantastic. Uh, I got to—this is the last time I'll mention this, but I got to Vegas on Friday. Were you in Vegas? <laughs> I hate you. And then I, I watch. I watched the Wolves in a sports book, and there were just countless Lakers fans who also simultaneously had Yankee hats on. Oh, of course, yeah. It, and, it was and just
0: Duke boxer briefs too. Yes, exactly.
1: Right? It was just an incredible experience to watch them go kind of ebb and flow throughout their you know remaining winless in in the league on Friday. I know they got their first win on Sunday against the Nuggets, but it was an, a great experience. And just anytime you beat the Lakers, I mean, it was so. I don't know if you picked up on that. It was so cocky for them to debut their new like statement uniforms that were like the Minneapolis Lakers. Uh, like In Minnesota, the team you stole, like very cocky of them. So for the Wolves to keep their losing streak alive was, uh, was pretty awesome. And I thought they looked relatively good. I mean, my benchmark has been, do you just look a little better than you did the last game? And I thought on Friday against the Lakers, they looked pretty good. Uh, and then they obviously torpedoed that against the Spurs. But I, I just like how they beat the Lakers. I also just think Jaden McDaniels was again, just vicious in that game. And when he plays well, now this is a small sample, but a trend, like when he plays well, everything else just kind of thick, like clicks. And when he doesn't play well, I mean, I didn't think he was great against the Spurs last night. Um, it doesn't click. So there's a lot of other do's and don'ts, or if this happens, if this doesn't happen, but right now, if Jaden plays well, this team's probably going to win the game. Uh, and it's something to monitor as we get, you know, more games under our belt.
0: My favorite thing about that Wolves win over the Lakers was the standing ovation that the crowd gave Pat Beverly. Yeah, and just how uncomfortable that makes Pat Beverly. I think he's the type of guy that just
1: he would have been. He'd rather been booed. Yes, for sure. he
0: doesn't like when you know he kind of planted the seeds all summer. He trash talking. He, he didn't name anyone specific, but talking about the players being kind of soft, and and Chris Finch never called him back, and you know he's I'm gonna mark these games on my calendar and. I am proud of Timberwolves fans for ignoring all of that. Pat Beverly made a lasting impact on this franchise. He was a huge reason why they went back to the playoffs. And even though he's doing his little Pat Bev stuff here through the media and whatnot, he deserved the standing ovation. So even if he kind of rejected it and kind of hates it, it was the right thing for fans to do.
1: It was like a double whammy because he tweeted out multiple times just appreciation for the state and the, the fan base, which, by the way, is like you said, not all fan bases get it. They didn't really do too much to welcome back Vando and Beasley. The team just put like a thank you thing on the top, but the fans got it. And they know that Pat Bev was probably what, one of the 10 most important people in this franchise's history. Yeah, um, So it's a little
0: more about the franchise. And less yeah, no, that's a, double-edged, but yeah. that's a double edged sword. But no, but
1: also too, I think you're right. Like, I think he would have rather gone to Philly and just, you know, if it was a homecoming and Philly made booed and had things thrown at him, that would have amped him up. He yeah. was really uncomfortable being like, Hey, this is, this is your night, Pat. Thank you for all we you did. We love you, man. We love yeah. you. Like, that's that's not eh, how Pat rolls. <laughs> so good to the fans, though, for showing appreciation and good on the team for uh, putting Pat in his place.
0: Yeah. All right, I'll give you one here. One of my favorite things about the Timberwolves is a couple of their bizarrely successful lineup combinations. Oh, so, okay. So full disclosure, I have spent probably the last 45 minutes before we turn these mics on, <laughs> just like staring at the lineup combination statistics on Basketball Reference. Okay. I'm going to have to do so, this. I'm going to start with, with this one. I'm going to quiz you, actually. What do you think the Timberwolves' best two-man lineup combination is in terms of just net points per 100 possessions? No cheating. This is among, A- lineups A- that, among two-man combinations that have played at least 50 minutes together so far this
1: year. Anthony Edwards and Nas Reed? Nope. Let me oh, see okay. if they're even on this. I don't think oh, they've got I've, I've liked the Nas Reid minutes. I could be so far off though that maybe that number is negative and I'm just an idiot. Is, is Torian Prince in that? In that two man thing? No. Okay, now you, you have to it, it's either Jaden or Antorian. No. Torian
0: Prince and Anthony Edwards is the fifth best okay. lineup combination. Okay. It's Jalen Noel and Jordan McLaughlin. Oh, surprise, surprise. Jace Frederick Plus, would love to hear that stat. Plus 36 points, net 36 points per 100 possessions in 62
1: minutes on the court together. And, okay, you know, one side to the other. It's obviously, everything's a small sample size till we open up our Christmas presents. But we also have a long enough of a leash to know that when Jordan McLaughlin just is on the court, good things happen. And with how, I don't know, D'Angelo's cold shooting. I mean, again, more guys than just D'Angelo Russell are having shooting problems, but... You just got to find a way to get J-Mac on the court because he pushes the pace. He gets guys in their spots. um, And as you just said, like, that's an insane number. That's an insane number and an insane duo that are both like, what, your sixth and ninth guy off the bench. Well, and so people
0: are saying, well, but yeah, but, you know, it's just one kind of random thing. Well, the second best two-man combination is Jordan McLaughlin and Anthony Edwards. They're a plus 28 when they're on the court together, 57 total minutes so far this season.
1: I mean, I it's bet, you, I bet you, you could just start to filter it out, and like everything that's with Jordan McLaughlin looks really, really good. And I always go back to, like, you, you can't – I don't think you can run him 82 games as your starter. I mean, Tyus Jones yeah. is better than him, and Tyus he, Jones yeah. isn't an 82-game starter. Yeah. But if you're not going to get the trust of the production from your backcourt that you want to get, then you have to insert this guy into the lineup more and more. It's why Finch closed the game six with him. And it's why you're probably going to see if he's healthy now from that little, I think a foot thing he had or whatever. Then you're going to have to just keep force feeding Jordan McLaughlin minutes because the stats obviously back it up. So here's here's one more for you here, and we can, there's so many paths we can go
0: down, but and we're dealing with small sample sizes. Very, yep, seven games in, so I get it. Uh, there's only really one five man combination that's played enough minutes, so there's. The, the five-man combination that's played 112 minutes is the starting five. So it's Anthony Edwards, yep. it's uh, D'Angelo Russell, Towns, Gobert, and, and, uh, and Jade McDaniels. They played 112 minutes together. The next five-man combination that has played the next amount of minutes has only played 14 minutes together. And that is uh, Ant, Nas Reed, Torian Prince, Jalen Noel, Jordan McLaughlin, sort of the, the small lineup of death. That we've seen a couple times they are in 14 minutes they are a plus 73 net points per 100 possessions and, and that, there's that, also that, a bunch of Anthony
1: Edwards with smaller players that show well, up in the okay. top line of combinations that is like the oh how long do we have today that is the small sample size but that is the trend that maybe is worth following the most is that the numbers are starting to just show and that's why I guessed Ant and Nas is that when Ant is just out there with kind of a more diverse set of bench players, but not a lot of height, just, you know, kind of more of a spread floor. He's been awesome. Um, And that's great, except you're paying $90 million to two guys who are over seven feet. So, you know, like, you don't want that number to be what Phil just said, come March, you yeah. need Ant to have those numbers with Carl or with Rudy, because the whole experiment, again, is about having these twin towers that you're kind of building around. So that's interesting. And it, and it backs up what we've talked about for two weeks is that Ant and this bench unit is just awesome. And they just they defend. They push the pace. They spread the floor. They can rebound. And if Nas is out there, he's maybe their second best rim defender. You know what I mean? So they can kind of do everything in, in short or maybe medium spurs. But here's the good
0: news on the, the, the two seven footers that make $90 million combined. If you just isolate that two-man lineup combination, so just when Gobert and Towns are on the court together, and usually when they're on the court together, it's with the starting five, so yep. they're, it's the same cast. So those two guys have been on the court for 163 minutes this season, okay. and they are a plus three points net per 100 possessions. So they are yep. when the, when it's just those two. Now when it's those two and it's the starting five. It's like, I, I want to say it's like a minus two points, but it's, it's close to break even. Mm-hmm. So it's close to break even when those guys are on the court. Um, I think that's a problem long-term. I think they have to be better, like pr- a lot better than break even because they're going to be on the court right. for long chunks. Unless they can play break even and then your other lineup combinations are so great, and with smaller players or whatever, in smaller doses that it makes up for you playing close games. but. But I would look at the first seven games as they're trying to figure this thing out and say, you know, when those guys are on the court together, they're actually a positive influence, you know, net points per 100 possessions. Um, I'll take that. Like, if you would have told me before the season started, hey, after the first seven games, those two guys together are actually going to be a plus influence on on points. Um, or you can take what's behind door number two. It'll be a slight <laughs> positive. Or you can take door number two. I would have said, oh, just give me, give me the, the small win here after the first couple weeks, and I'll go from there.
1: So – on that same topic of the of the target centers, I stole this from our, our friend Wolves Clips on Twitter, who's awesome. Um, Rudy Gobert has made 27 assisted field goals this season. Here's the breakdown. Carlton Towns has 15 of those 27 assists. Wow. The next closest would be a tie between Jalen Noel and D'Angelo Russell with four. And then there's kind of like two for Jaden, one for Ant. And that, I should actually mention the Ant part. That's like... Goes back to your point. The, the the target centers experiment, at least offensively, we're we're seeing so far like is kind of working. They're starting to like they had no preseason together, but this actually makes sense and clicks. That's great. Not so great. Your starting backcourt has three assists to Rudy Gobert through seven games. Yeah, that's a huge problem. I mean, and, and we, again, I'm not, some people might think we're picking on D'Lo a little bit much. No, he he hasn't be, that good, but he, he was yeah. supposed to be the guy that benefited the most from this. But also, too, like on Ant, you can't have Ant can't have one assist through seven games to Rudy Gobert. Yes. With how much those guys still are playing together, that's a nightmare scenario for th- three assists through seven games from your starting backcourt. They has to get better, and that should get better as they start to navigate. Mean, a lot of it is just pick and roll, trying to navigate guys' tendencies. But it's it, it's both alarming on the on the backcourt, but it's also awesome that Carl. Basically represents over fifty percent of that already. He's showing you that he can he can make this work alongside Rudy. Yep.
0: D'Lo is off to a just kind of a weird start. His yep. shooting
1: has not clicked yet.
0: Hit the pick and roll game with with Rudy Gobert has not fully clicked yet. And you know, he's always just been kind of a, a streaky offensive player. This is once again small sample size alert here, but it's something <laughs> to Drink. watch. So the the starting five, like I said, I found it here. The starting five. Per 100 possessions is a net minus two points. So they're they're not not what you want long-term. Mm-hmm. But not a train wreck. It's not a train wreck, but it's not what you want long-term. When you swap out D'Angelo Russell for Jordan McLaughlin, Uh-oh. that five-man combo has been on the court for only eight minutes. So again, but they are a plus 30 per 100 possessions.
1: And I think it's just appropriate now to put a pin in this because this is going to be something that we probably will talk about for the next five months or at least the next three and a half months as we get more you know as we get more data so we stop saying small sample size but as we start to figure out if this all works because last week you talked about a contingency plan or an escape route it's not going to be carl in the short term it's just not now next off season phil made really good points but you only have so many contingency options as you lead up to like the trade deadline, which is like the next big moment. And that's possibly moving guys who aren't signed here long-term. And one of those guys would be D'Angelo Russell. So not trying to trade them, but it's just, you got to start to figure out if those numbers are the same numbers come Thanksgiving, Yeah, that's going to be a major red flag. And you're probably going to see a team that's 500 because you can't win games if that's the way that that pans out. Yeah, and, the, and
0: it's it's one thing to look on paper before the season and say, boy, okay, this is how we want it to play out. Mm-hmm. We're going to have, this is our five-man starting lineup, and McDaniels is going to be in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. and obviously D'Lo, and then here are the second unit, you know, second unit, you know, 1.0, second unit, 2.0. But then once the games start racking up, like they are, seven games in, 15 games in, 20 games in, and then the truth unveils itself, Yep, and trends start to surface, They've got all these big contracts. They've got uh-huh. some egos, right? Uh-huh. We'll, if, if there is data staring them in the face at some point, whether it's the, the D'Lo, McLaughlin thing, again, am I saying that you should bench D'Lo for Jordan McLaughlin in the starting line right now? I am not saying that. Right, I'm just exactly. pointing out an interesting no trend. But at what point will they have to put some of their preconceived thoughts from before the season and or egos and contracts aside to go with combos that actually work? And they're still tinkering they're going to tinker for the next month or two and And then and then at some point they'll turn the corner and maybe we maybe it maybe the things on paper that that they thought would click are going to click but there might come a crossroads at some point in
1: december or january you have to make some tough decisions and that's what's exciting right is that small sample size last time but these first seven games you got some interesting numbers some things that you didn't see in the beginning of october or forecast okay let's 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 just stretch it out to seven more games let's get to you know the 15 game mark and maybe those things will start to change and go upside down. But if they just continue, you know, 15 games is a real trend. And it's still, you can flip the script completely. The Boston Celtics did it last year. They completely went from 500 team to NBA finals. But for the Wolves, like you said, if they if they get 15 games, they get 20 games, who is going to be empowered to make those decisions? I mean, I, Chris Finch has shown you already, he just wants to play the best guys. But that was like a one five-minute sample and a, playoff game, right? Like that was kind of a break glass in case of emergency. Is he willing to do that again with anyone, anyone who's underperforming in that starting lineup or in that rotation? So it'll be, it'll be really interesting. It's probably the number one thing to kind of focus on because that backcourt, I know Ant had a bunch of 30 point games, but overall just the assist numbers, the playmaking, they're just not, I mean, they're they're starting two seven footers. You got to have a backcourt that's, and Jaden's not, you know, necessarily Luka Doncic of assists. Like you just got to have more playmaking and more guys that are getting other teammates involved and that's what Jordan McLaughlin's one of the most underrated players in the league not on this team so it's 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 concerning but you can probably just paint it with the chemistry brush still of like let's see seven more games do these yeah. guys start to figure each other out a little more
0: I think the good news through all this is that it looks like the target centers have some chemistry together.
1: That yep, there and there's some positive right. trends.
0: And that was the thing that, that people were most, most worried about concerning, Yep. And so far it's kind of been like you said, the backcourt led by D'Lo trying to build chemistry and and I I do think at some point that pick and roll game is going to click and I think his shooting's going to come around. And I'm not a big D'Angelo Russell guy. I think mm-hmm. he's he's very expendable. You can find guys who shoot 42% from the field and kind of volume scorers that aren't that gifted athletically, like, you don't need to pay $30 million for what D'Lo is giving you. Mm-hmm. But if, if you determine at some point, you know what, he's just not the straw that stirs this drink, it's not exactly hard to move off. I mean, it's actually a valuable expiring yep. contract. If you yep. had to move off of it this season, like, there's teams that would love to have that expiring contract uh, this yeah, summer come d- around, right? D'Lo's
1: contract was a lot different in, like, June or July, right, mm-hmm. than it would be come February. And as crazy as that sounds, because the the contract terms don't change, it's just you make a great point that as this becomes, as they pay off more and more of this last year of the deal, he becomes more of a a trade asset. So, again, I'm not at that level yet, but back to your point, I just think that's the most important thing to take away from all this, because contractually, yes, Anthony Edwards will sign his rookie extension next summer, as will Jane McDaniels, and Phil and I are already trying to raise money behind the scenes for Jalen Noel, but the guys that are contractually here the longest are Carl and Rudy right now. And you're seeing, with no preseason and a very small sample, like it is kind of working. Like, there, are, there are some advanced numbers, too, that maybe skew some poor defensive metrics. But overall, seven games in, these two seven-footers, it's kind of working. And we didn't know that in a league that has primarily kind of shifted a little smaller. So that's yeah. good news. All right, next category is your least favorite thing about the Timberwolves so far. Uh, I'll throw one out to
0: start. We've kind of mm. danced around this, but it's the feast or famine nature of Anthony Edwards game so far.
1: Oh, well, So okay. seven games, yep.
0: four awesome performances in which he is averaging in those four games over 30 points. And then three games in which he was either absent offensively the whole game or in the case of last night, he finally came around in the second half, but like he scored no points in the first half of that game yesterday. Which should pr- pretty much never happen. I don't think Jalen Noel scored in the first half either. Which is, no, it's
1: un- and find two people that like Anthony Edwards more than you and I. You won't. Yeah. But it's also I think you can start to treat him with adult. Like it's unacceptable. You just can't. And's been great. I mean, he's gonna hit. He's gonna have another thirty point game probably tomorrow against the Suns, and then he'll have four and eight games. And I have said before he had four and seventy two his rookie year, but. We're starting to see like the teenage kind of awkward growing pains. Like I said, he had his weird situation this offseason, and then he had that comment about back-to-backs when he's just like, I'm never good in back-to-backs. I was like, okay, but as a rookie, that's okay. But as what, essentially now the face of the franchise or you're just on the precipice, you just don't hear other guys in that stature, you know, top 25 guys, top seven on Bill Simmons' trade you know, projector, like you can't just say, I can't, I can't show up the second night of a back-to-back. That's just not acceptable. So last night in a game, not a must win on the road, but you are playing a less talented team. You just can't give your team zero. You can't. If Carl would have had zero at halftime, I think people would have tried to trade him. So if Ant has, I mean, it's just, you got to have the same expectations. You got to have that same standard because those guys are face of the franchise type guys. They might be one's older than the other, but you can't give your team zero points in in a situation like that and try to turn it on in the second half it's just it's it is it's kind of unacceptable
0: and he didn't it wasn't like he was you know he only took four threes last night Uh, and of course the the day after i ripped him for he went went one one of eight against the spurs and somewhere in there i said dude like there's gonna be nights where i don't hate your shot and you can get as hot as anyone with your three-point shot but there's got to be nights where you understand halfway through the the first half okay, I don't really have my shot tonight as much. I'm not going to take 12 threes tonight. I don't need to go one for eight from three tonight. And so find another way to go get your 25 in an efficient manner. Get to the free throw line. I'd love to see that's, him at some point yep. get to the line 10 times in a
1: game. That's, that's, the, that's the number one thing I always want from my like star player. It's always like the DeMar DeRozan effect. He's not obviously a superstar, but if I'm Ant and I'm like six minutes into the second quarter and I don't have a point yet, I'm just like, okay, I don't know how, what I, I'm just going to get two free throws. Like you know you're physically gifted enough your change of pace your euro in the lane like just go get to the free throw line see the ball go through the net a couple times and kind of reset so you don't have a goose egg at halftime so i'm with you that is like the one part of his game that's not there yet right it's just that averaging eight nine ten free throws a game easiest points in the in the game right It, it changes it slows down a team's momentum it allows your team to reset uh and that's something he has to work on and again the one thing I will say, after saying it was unacceptable, he always, if he, Anthony Edwards says, I'm going to fix it, I'll figure it out, he has shown to figure it out. Yeah. So hopefully he comes out blazing against Phoenix, uh, who he's been historically really good against, um, and, and has, you know, he'll probably have 26 at half. He, by
0: the way, last season, his four highest scoring games, he had, he had, or I'm sorry, his three highest scoring games, he had three 40-point games last year. Um, he went to the line... 11 12 and 14 times in those games those were three of the only four times he went to the line ten times or more he's capable of shooting between eight and 12 free throws on a regular basis yep so maybe maybe for it. yeah ditch some of the the pull-up threes and and just ditch some of the other stuff for and he seems with that Euro step now he's able to kind of get wherever he wants in front of the rim so let's just uh find a way man find yeah, a way
1: it, it's an, it's the easiest thing and he's just Like Kobe was obviously the best at it, but just if you're not, you're 0 for 6, 0 for 7, 0 for 8, you just, the shot's not there, go get a couple free shots at the line. Just, there's no one that can prevent Anthony Edwards from getting to the rim. So just get to the rim and either get a layup or get to the foul line, reset, and it's a big part of his game that needs to come through, but it'll be another way that he, at some point in his career, just averages 30, right, over an 82-game season. It's because you're just gobbling up these free throws. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any other least favorite things from you before we get to a uh, flagrant or no? I don't even know. I've been staring at this. I typed, I don't even know what to think about it, but it's just, it's kind of mind blowing to me. I think I saw the wolves just in total box score. I think they're like third in rebounding like total rebounds, but they're 29th in opponents second chance points. So it's like they're, they're gobbling up a lot of rebounds, but they're still giving up a ton of like offensive rebounds to the other team. And again, my brain hasn't slept since Saturday. So maybe everyone already figured out the puzzle. But it's just kind of like the Wolves have gotten better at rebounding, which was their clear Achilles heel. And they're still not, like, great yeah. at it. <laughs> Here's what's hilarious, all right? So the worst team in terms of allowing offensive
0: rebounds in the league this year, the Utah Jazz. As expected, <laughs> no way. right? okay, yep. Because, oh, you say goodbye to Rudy Gobert, and now we give up a boatload of offensive rebounds. The second worst team in the NBA at allowing offensive rebounds, the Minnesota Timberwolves. See, and I don't,
1: (laughs) if you just give me a couple hours and maybe like a glass of wine, I'll figure it out. But it is, it's just, how does that make sense? I see Rudy's numbers, right? I mean, I see how many rebounds they're getting on a nightly basis, but they're still just giving up. It's almost like actually just seven games. It's actually like majorly concerning that you're getting all these rebounds and you're still giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. Um, and then on the on the backside, like you're really not attacking the offensive glass. I don't know what they're ranked right now, but like they're not a they're not known for their offensive rebounding. So you're just that goes back to they're my first tenth. point. they the league, in, yeah. But the Jazz, oh, are okay, the Jazz. The have more offensive then.
0: rebounds in the first. It's just seven. <laughs> you know if you
1: if you take all those stats then in an Excel spreadsheet, and you just start to tweak them. Like if you can just get a little higher up offensive rebounding get a little better at preventing it and then just increase, you know, your three point attempts. Just tweak these numbers. Yeah. It should give you a boon in your offensive production. Um, because this team has way too much talent to be bottom half of the league in offensive rating. It is kind of
0: funny. Yeah. And some of this is just noise. It's And that's it's, yeah, that's a good point. They've basically played the same two teams. <laughs> <Like, laughs> they played five games against the It has the, been like they, a preseason schedule.
1: Cause <laughs> the NBA preseason now is like you basically go play this same team three times and one home, one away and one on the moon or in Mexico city. So it actually is going to be nice. I know we talked about the easy schedule, but bring on the suns, bring on the Grizzlies, like bring on real teams and then let's actually get real numbers and data. Because like you said, it's still a lot of noise and things that we might not be able to take anything away from as we get to the 50 game mark. Yes.
0: All right. A couple things here before we get to flagrant or no, a shout out to our friends over at federated mutual Mm -hmm. insurance company. They've been around for over a hundred years, helping businesses, uh, it's like having a great offensive line, or like having a Rudy Gobert protecting your business, just <laughs> roaming around in the paint. They're all about risk <laughs> management, awesome. tools, and resources, and uh, you can find your federated marketing rep at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Earlier, you mentioned the Purple Daily swag, so if you're a Vikings fan, so Purple Daily is, so sick. is our flagship podcast on Score North, and um, we've got a store open right now, shop. If you're interested in some purple daily related swag hoodies, t shirts, some hats, at some point I think we should I think the wolves need to pick it up a little bit at some point. Maybe early two thousand twenty three we can throw some flagrant house swag
1: out there and also that uh that victory Monday sweatshirt with the K V I K. Oh. Props. Props to whoever's designing that. Couple glasses of red wine and the light bulb
0: went on. What if we swapped the C for a A? <laughs> there, there, right there was about six
1: meetings on that. <laughs> Phil was just busting and just uh, finally. In terms like, you know of what?
0: marketing geniuses, Steve Jobs is on one level. <laughs> Phil Mackey's not quite too far behind. Really?
1: What if we just replace the letter? No, I, that that merch all looks great. Um, and yeah, I think maybe the Wolves could win like three straight games, and then Phil and I will start. Coming up with ways to respell flagrant howls and yeah. push the merch. <laughs> Bring the It's Happening t-shirts back from uh, <laughs> like 10 years ago.
0: So, all right, I'll throw it out here. Flagrant or no? So, uh, are the following statements a flagrant foul, meaning like way over the top? Come yep. on now. Or just a common foul? Okay, that makes sense. Uh, the Timberwolves are screwed this week. With games against Phoenix
1: <laughs> and Milwaukee on national TV, TNT and ESPN. I think it's a common foul. I don't think they're screwed in this in the, in the vein of I just if what you lose them both, you're four and what four and five, like that's okay. I want to see this team now if if they had six straight more games against the hornets and the magic, we just at some point we would say we don't have real numbers. um go play real teams now. I mean, the suns have been kind of surprising, even though we had high expectations like five and one, they're a good team. Go play against some of these good teams because also, and we kind of dove into this last week, there's a psychological element to some of this where the Wolves just continue to not take young, bad teams serious for whatever reason. This franchise of all franchises is just like, oh, we're playing the young Spurs? Okay, as if you've done anything. Um, So go play the big teams on the brightest of lights. That's when Anthony – I mean, Ant, as bad as Ant was against the Spurs on Sunday – he brought it against the Lakers. He wanted to you know, guard LeBron. He wanted all that stuff. So I would, I'm excited for them to play two real teams because at worst, they get blown up by 20 each game, and you're like, okay, now we have some significant things to talk about. Yeah,
0: it's it's a flagrant for me in that like it is it is ridiculous to say that. Oh, that's gonna, right. I, I gotta to
1: figure it. this out. I created this game with you and I just don't know the rules. So yeah, yeah no, so, right. So, it's a flagrant. It's
0: so the, yeah, so the statement way is out the, the, the Tim are screwed. and We both think, yeah, that's that's a little over the top. Yep, okay. Wouldn't go that I'll far. Out one day. I wouldn't want to call the flagrant on that. Um, it's early for us too, we're ironing out the segments. <laughs> Ironing I'll out start the sleeping the more and <laughs> eating
1: vegetables before I record with Phil. So like I have like four brain cells instead of three. But Some no, it's asparagus, it, 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 pregame
0: asparagus the, or something. As, <laughs>
1: as we end October today and get into November, the November schedule is going to be awesome because you're going to get more sample. You're going to get real teams that you're going to maybe see in April or May. Yeah. And you'll have a better idea of, you know, do those Carl and Rudy two-man things actually work against teams that give a damn? And yes. does your backcourt actually, can they produce against teams that have real... All-star caliber guards, and you know if you get checked by, let's say, let's say the Suns
0: check you and you just get smoked by twenty mm-hmm. points on national TV, I'm not gonna say that's a good thing, but you need to feel that. Where are you at? These are good measuring stick games. Where are you at as you try? In some ways, all of the equity they built as a team through, like, like the playoff lumps that they took last yep. year against Memphis. Ordinarily, those are things that you you take those lumps and then you push forward as a team and then you try again next year. And the NBA is like a series of video game levels. Yep. Well, not that you throw that whole thing out the window from last playoffs, but it's not the same team. Vando's gone. Right. Pat Bev's gone. right? Beasley's gone. You bring bringing in Gobert here, and, and Jalen Noel has a bigger role. And, and so, it, it, yes, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell definitely gained experience and should take some of those experiences and learn from them. But in terms of this unit, this symbiotic thing that the Timberwolves have now, they're kind of building from zero again Two weeks ago, as opposed to just, oh, let's pick up where we left off against Memphis in the playoff series. So games against the Suns, games against the uh, games against deep level playoff teams will help tell you exactly
1: where you're at with all of this. And and two teams that have a lot of like chemistry, right? Like that have pretty much those cores have been together. So it's it sounds like apologies. It's not apologies. No, I don't think anyone thinks the Minnesota Timberwolves should be given excuses of any nature, but. You know, they haven't really got to see Kyle Anderson there when he has been healthy. He's been really great. So I think he'll be back this week. I think the Suns might be without eight and two. So you're going to play against a pretty small team with a massive, you're bringing a massive front line. So finally now, you know, four and three is four and three. Could it be six and one and you feel better? Yeah, but you might still have all the same issues and they're going to get exposed anyway. So um, I'd be more concerned if it's like four and nine, four and 11, like it was last year. Uh, then we can start having you know major red flags. But for now, go play good teams and uh, hell, maybe you figure it out. Actually, you know, under the bright lights. Yeah, right, I'm gonna let you talk about
0: Vegas here again because the next one oh, is God. there is no better sports watching experience than Sunday NFL in a Vegas sports book.
1: Flagrant or common foul? Common foul. In terms of that, is the most normal statement in the world. Uh, it it is so great. I mean, it was so. There's also a, like think about this. Not only were the Ton of football games on, really good Vikings game. Timberwolves tipped off at four in Vegas. Um, you also had a World Series game. Like, just there was so much to do. And if like you're a degenerate, you can go throw on hockey, horses, all those other things. There's EPL Saturday morning. It the guys just
0: sit down in front of the horse racing screens are my favorite. It's like, man, how deep into it are
1: you? You're well, that's <laughs> you're just
0: like watching a track in California and with you're a white pr- Russian you, in hand. I
1: think like, you probably have at least six and a half cigarettes in your mouth. Um, just just a just an insane I went to get coffee with my dad yesterday morning because we wanted to open up the book. Obviously, there's a London football game. So we were down there at 6 30 sharp and every, just sporadically sprinkled all over the casino floor was just a slot machine with someone who was probably my parents' age, just ripping a dart, stealing what they wore Saturday, beer in hand, and I'm just like, that is that's life goals. So no Vegas, Vegas is the number and I was talking I had some friends that had kids too, and it's like there's so many different ways to do Vegas now. If you haven't been recently, like five years, it's so different. Of like, it's not all degeneracy. It's you can go do cool stuff. There's a lot of family fun things, family fun places to stay. But if you're just a you know a person that wants to watch sports on a weekend, and there's a big, I mean, there was a, like the Jake Paul fight on Saturday too. So there was a lot That's to right. watch, a lot to bet on. So Anderson Silva was almost fifty years old, man. I didn't. I like. Time I don't flies. really know like 47 who's...
0: Forty-seven years old.
1: Yeah, I don't know who's really paying to watch like me fight my dad. Um, but if you are, I guess more power to you, but yeah, I'm not really interested in those things, but it was a big event. It was highly promoted in Vegas. It was in Phoenix, but it was highly promoted in Vegas too. So yes, if you like sports and maybe especially Vikings football, um, it was such a cool place to be for the weekend. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, when you go to a bar, like you're traveling and you see a couple other people wearing purple or wearing blue and green for the wolves, it's fun to like, I have no idea who you are, but we are so going to get drunk together and do school chants for three hours. Like, that's pretty much how oh, I live my life. you're wearing a Dante
0: Pepper jersey. We're yeah, going to be that best pick. Yeah. friends for the <laughs> yeah. next 90 minutes. It's going to be He's great. Like, when
1: I saw the Pepper guy, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hit all my bets today. So uh, shout out to that guy. He's from Virginia.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to say only because of a different experience. This is a flagrant foul all due respect oh. to Sunday NFL. Oh, but wow. Okay. I, and in fairness, I've never actually been in Vegas for a Sunday NFL uh, slate, but I was there for the last World Cup. And let me tell mm. you. Same deal. Getting up as early as possible. Yep. Just watching. I mean, it it wasn't just the sports books. It was just random bars throughout Vegas were just crawling with like if you were a fan of Mexico, you were pouring into uh, with with flags and stuff. So uh, I would say watching the the World Cup, the world's game in Vegas with a bunch of drunk people that speak different languages was was the peak experience I have personally had, even though I don't really like soccer myself. But I do
1: like experiences. I was trying to keep it PG but on that same level of kind of people speaking all different languages and having all different kinds of appearances haven't mentioned yet that it was Halloween weekend in Vegas so that 6:30 a.m Starbucks run with my dad at the sports book was also the same time that some fairies and pumpkins and a couple people from um Uh, White Lotus, just like a lot of different costumes and characters were just kind of stumbling in, you know, probably one shoe in hand, uh, face paint a little drooping off to their chin, but it was the best. (laughs) I mean, if if you're trying to plan something with your significant other, and maybe even you're like kind of adult age kids, a Vegas weekend for football over when it's Halloween was electric. I didn't know if people that I saw in the lobby were going to clubs or coming home, but either way, it didn't matter. It was just... (laughs) Fantastic people watching. Um, just absolutely the best. I'm so glad not to be there. And I think I six in the morning. The, the
0: people roaming around at six in the morning, I would say like seventy-five to eighty percent of them are just still awake,
1: right? You yeah.
0: you were in the minority for sure, getting your cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, and just the, the creativity of these costumes. I didn't have a costume on, but again, there was the, I remember there was these two fairies and like just they had to have spent twelve the same amount of time I spent watching football at the book they spent putting their makeup on and it was just, it was awesome. Great people watching great overall day. And, uh, the world cup though, that's a good one. I I never thought about just how that could be. You could have like little pockets of almost nations over the strip. Like Mexico could have just completely taken the Bellagio over. And that's like their headquarters. Isn't the world cup coming up in a few weeks too. Isn't like this November. Talk about again, just overdosing on sports. I think you're going to (laughs) have basketball, hockey, football, um and then the world cup and then just all this other stuff vegas is getting ready for like an f1 race that my uber driver said was going to be like on the stripper in the street yeah. i have no that's idea happening. how that's going to work but that's happening um just, yeah they're, oh
0: they're, sorry an f1 driver uh flew off the track and into new in the, york bo- new york so
1: <laughs> just landed so in, in the, the venetian
0: uh in the venetian moat yeah it,
1: it is a it is once they get that basketball team too and i think there's rumors of maybe getting a baseball team it's going to be Really, again, for a sports fan, it's a fantastic spot to go because you can stay expensive, you can stay cheap, and you can eat all day and drink all day and gamble all day, and uh, it's a really great time. So the Wolves ruined my night last night by kind of capping off a really good day of betting, and then we're just going to lay an egg against the Spurs, but overall, pretty good day. I came back, so. Well,
0: you're alive. We're happy that you're alive. We're happy that the Timberwolves are sort of alive, but we'll find out more about their status (laughs) here. Might be dead on (laughs) Thursday. Against the the Suns and the Bucks, And we should probably get out of here before I start boring you with even more lineup combination details as I stare at this. We'll we'll let the sample size play out before we go back to the uh, the lineup combination stats. But, all right, you go take a nap. We'll do, Dad. I need it. (laughs) Uh, we can um, we can rest easy until tomorrow night, uh, and then we'll come back at you Thursday for another episode here. And if you haven't already, please click subscribe yes, on the please. Score North YouTube channel. And on the uh, if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, help spread the word about this Timberwolves community that we are all building together harmoniously, hand in hand. So for Kyle, I'm Phil. This is Flagrant Howls. We'll see you guys.